ready to go. I'm ready to talk about one of the greats. Um, I'm really going through the murderer's row lately. I got Hitchcock. Now I got Orson Welles for doing Touch of Evil. You do so love the whites. The reason they love the whites. I do. I love the whites. Uh, in this case, the whites that make other whites dress up as browns. That is yeah. that is my that is my that. lane. So. All of my emotions feel the same. Feel the same. You don't like where this is going. Look away. Look away. You're not in my way. this movie is we were you know you had given me your choices of movies that were coming up and you were like well really i there's no unifying theme to this it's just you know movies i hadn't seen before and i was like oh yes good i have carte blanche (laughs) to pick a movie on from these lists that i've never seen so touch of evil is one that i've never seen my only connection to it is through the great uh, the great film knowledge of Chili Palmer, Palmer in uh, Get Shorty. Uh, that is my only connection to Touch of Evil whatsoever. Um, but, you know, it's Orson Welles, so you figure like, okay, this probably be pretty good. I haven't seen many bad Orson Welles movies, so I decided to throw this uh, 1958 noir on it uh, on our show. Uh, and we do have Charlton Heston playing a Mexican man, uh, which is maybe not the... The most woke choice, but again, it's 1958, so maybe we have to be a little bit forgiving of that. But I did find – and I love this movie. I think it's phenomenal. Get that out of the way. But the only reason he has to be Mexican is the setting. Crossing the border, back and forth, the two sides of the law, the, the Americans and the uh, Mexicans. It's, the, it's the, new, the new Old yes. West, right? Where it's like, oh, well, over there on the other side of the border and on this side of the border, things are a little – a little crazy and we do things a little bit differently uh but other than that there's like nothing that matters about him not being a white guy like it, he's not i'm glad he's not like playing it to the hilt with a ridiculous accent like every once in a while he has a phrase in spanish uh, he says que paso a couple times so that's you know that's about the limit um <laughs> and, the, and the there are moments the american <laughs> what right, is mexican right. culture that's good enough there <laughs> what's up what's up in spanish that's it that's all we got but yeah so it's got charlton heston um it's got of course uh uh orson wells in a major part here playing oh man playing the heavy there you um, go. literally there you and go. figuratively <laughs> and also janet lee and maybe so far of what i've seen my favorite performance of hers uh i love her in this i love how kind of brassy she is i like to say I, I like my woman uh drugged up and deranged no mm-hmm. mike mm-hmm. no no uh the reason i loved her so much is like her choices to put herself in danger but her her awareness of it there's a there's a sequence where she is like accosted on the street and said like you know follow us we have something to t- something to tell your husband. No me entiende. Lady, he says you don't understand what he wants. I understand very well what he wants. He saved your life, lady. Tell him I'm a married woman and that my husband is a great big official in the government, ready and willing to knock out all those pretty front teeth of his. That's it, lady. Your husband. That's what he wants to talk to you about. Follow this boy at once. We have something very important for Mr. Vargas. Well, what have I got to lose? Don't answer that. Lead on, Pancho. Sigame nomás. Cross the border again? 
And I love the line there where she says, um, well, what do I have to lose? Don't answer that. Uh, so she knows she's putting herself in danger. And whenever a man kind of comes at her and threatens her, she gives it right back to him. Uh, and I was like, I like this chick. I want to hang out with this girl. And obviously she's Janet Lee, So she's stunning and she's gorgeously photographed in this kind of noir setting. Like she's perfect for this kind of movie. And like Orson Welles, like, you know, it seems trite and ridiculous to talk about how great a director Orson Welles is. Obviously he is. But I was really struck by the camera work in this movie. It's just like it feels so modern and it feels so mobile. Like it's, there's always something happening. The camera is always moving. There's not very many static shots. Like even the very beginning of this movie, as the reveal of the explosion happens, like you're constantly kind of on edge because of the way the camera is moving. Like he does the nowadays, it feels like camera tricks are done to kind of show off, right? Like, Oh, I did this one shot movie. I did this long take, blah, 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 which is all fine and good. But if it's not for a purpose, then what are we doing here? And it feels like every choice that Wells makes is for a purpose. It's to set a stage. It's to make you feel something. It's just so successful. It's a little busy. That's what I would say. <laughs> Slow down, Wells. Not a young man anymore, and you don't seem to be in great physical shape. Just uh, ease off Like just candy bars. <laughs> yeah, go from uh, booze to candy bars. You're not making uh, you know very health... I guess forward choices, um, but uh, my letterbox review of this uh, takes Orson Welles to uh-uh. task, uh, which is odd to say. I gave this four and a half stars, which I, I had seen this before. I okay. I will be honest. I don't remember having that strong of a reaction to it when I saw it as a teenager, um, but I don't remember if I saw the theatrical version. Uh, apparently there was a version in the 70s that had more footage. I may have actually seen the version I watch now, which was on, uh, I think Turner classic movies. I think I had recorded this mm. and I was checking the runtime cause I wanted to watch the one that came out in 98 where they, they went off his 58 page memo saying you've butchered my movie. Uh, this is the one I watched. This well, is the one Turner I classic watched, yeah. movies. I mean, I wasn't surprised that that was the version cause they, they had the little uh, bit at the beginning saying like, Hey, you know, we yep. reworked this, you know, due to his wishes. They're obviously talking about a man, an artist who had passed at that point. So I'm not absolving my teenage self. Maybe I watched that version because it would have fit with the timeline of touch of evil is new uh, again. Cause that came out in 98. I don't remember having strong feelings. I don't remember disliking it, but I didn't remember much from it. Like I probably enjoyed it and then went on to the next movie. Like it didn't, for whatever Mm -hmm. reason, it didn't become one of my movies. It wasn't a defining thing that I really like was keyed into. And I got a little bit of that this time. Mainly it was Orson Welles, the, (laughs) the actor here, which I don't think is very good. I think he's very entertaining, but you know, I think you often, (laughs) when we do these reviews, uh, you point out um, more often than not when, someone feels like they're in a different movie from like the screen partner they have Heston and Wells are not a natural, uh, this is not Pacino, De Niro and heat when they meet and the style and play here. Uh, it really, uh, is dramatic when they share a scene, when they are on the other side of arguments as they pretty much, that's the entire dynamic is one is by the book. Uh, and the other one is about, um, I guess, getting your batting average up as far as closing the case. Yes. Um, and Wells, I don't think he acknowledges it. It's funny from the directing standpoint. Uh, I think when he's in front of the camera, he becomes Orson Welles, the performer. 
and not so much like which is a lot. It is a lot, <laughs> and and Heston, other than as you said, the brown face is really not. It's it's from the. Mm-hmm. They're both both acting styles here are, are outdated. Um, and the problem I had with watching Wells is he is by far the more interesting character as the heel, which the heel oh, often yeah. is. But he never seems like he's engaged with what other characters are saying. He's just like, J- you just let me know when the, the red light's on me. Just let me know when it's my time and I'll take over <laughs> yes. the scene. And that kind of – it kind of bothered me watching it. It took me out of the, the movie mm-hmm. – but on that same note, this thing is directed uh, to the absolute fucking hilt. Like it's every every yeah, bit of is. shot composition is interesting to look at. I, th- I felt like I could watch this on mute and just enjoy the imagery of the movie. Mm-hmm. This these weird angles they take the uh, how close they get into Wells' face, who is not movie star handsome <laughs> at this point, and he's constantly sweating. The man, this character is just <laughs> he doesn't need to be on that border town. He needs. <laughs> Go somewhere oh. with a climate that's more somewhere like Chicago, yes, somewhere yeah. cold. Uh, <laughs> I don't know if you felt that way about the performances, and I I feel like with these classic films, I I sort of absolve them of that because you can't hold uh, a modern sort of acting style or standard to these type of films. And this is, you know, it's a B movie that is being brought up through the sensibilities of Wells uh, to, and is mm-hmm. now seen as a classic. At the time, maybe it was a throwaway sort of popcorn movie. Yeah, it's interesting because I think if, you know, obviously this is impossible because podcasts didn't exist exist in the late 50s, but if we had been doing the show in the late 50s, this might have been a Mike movie. Um, this might have been around that, like, 65, mm-hmm. 68% level. Like, it's, oh, I enjoyed it, I liked it, but it's not the greatest thing ever, and it's a bit of a step down for Wells as a director and blah, blah, blah. Um, but, of course, now it's been – and, you know, it kind of goes against the things I've been complaining about in previous episodes about, like, trying to find these hidden classics and blah, blah, blah. But it feels like this is what happened with Touch of Evil. But I think there's a difference between going from, like, a pretty good movie to a classic and going from something that's universally maligned. Like, if you look at the contemporary reviews, it's very – it's still, like, complimentary. Uh, like good performances, good shot composition, but like, you know, the, the plot kind of gets lost and blah, blah, blah. There's a lot of motivations here. I mean, the Wells character, I understand, and Heston's. There are two main characters. I understand where they're coming from. It's the secondary characters where <laughs> <laughs> I feel like I, I don't have a firm grasp of what they're doing. Maybe not the why, but the how. It's like, man, this how seems like. A bit much. Yeah, uh, yeah. You know, I mentioned how you like your woman uh, drugged up and I guess gaslit. Uh, the the kidnapping, I guess we would call it that, uh, even though it's like she's a willing um, victim. She just walks into the lion's den without realizing like that, that lions are about. Uh, and the terrorizing of Janet Lee for an extended stretch of this movie feels... It felt very TV-like. It felt like we need a character mm. to not... I don't know if you ever watched 24. This might be the only time Touch of Evil is compared to 24. Yep. Uh, but the <laughs> trappings of that particular conceit, uh, oftentimes they would have to have side characters uh, not involved in the main storyline. So it's like, uh, the car breaks down for this hour, and they're, they're trapped on the side <laughs> of the road. I think there was one sequence maybe in the first season where Kiefer Sutherland's, uh, um, you know, NRA card-carrying, uh, hardcore, staunch Republican character, his daughter is attacked by mountain lions. Mm-hmm. And it's like... Yes, yes, that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I couldn't help but think of that with Touch of Evil, where uh, I am enjoying <laughs> the manner with which 
they're attempting to frame up uh, this good cop and his wife being like some sort of dope right. fiend. I have no idea why they need to annoy her sleep schedule with music for an extended period of time. <laughs> music at a party next door. I mean, that did feel like, well, we got to stretch the runtime a little bit. We can't have her out of commit. And I think they know, uh, Wells knows that Janet Lee is great here. So I don't think he wants her out of commission for very long. So you have to find ways to like extend this sequence. Well, it's so a movie movie in the sense that it feels like the characters are aware they're in a movie. This is not in any sort of, it's not attempting mm-hmm. to be reality. So the yeah. sequence where we're going to terrorize a woman is just like, yeah, cause that's the, the stretch of the film where, uh, we're going to try to break her mentally before, uh, we, shoot her up with drugs but not really it's like they i felt like that was like part of the time period this came out where they're like well we're just gonna make her believe that she's on drugs but we didn't actually do it and i'm like why would you care if you didn't <laughs> make, make yeah, her consume yeah. drugs that did feel like something that like they wouldn't allow him we're to not gonna do what sully he really wanted janet to do lee with thing. anything pumping through her veins she's just gonna be yes gaslit as we do with all women for right. pretty much the entire <laughs> century of film <laughs> Absolutely. You also talked about like kind of how interesting this film looks at all points in the, you know, and speaking of Janet Lee, one of the moments that comes to mind, actually, I posted about this on Twitter and randomly found a gif of this. It's a scene where you see the the kind of lay of the land outside and then you see the blinds open and then there's Janet Lee and it's just like such a stunning it's a movie star shot and you're just like wow this is you know a great director and a great star in their moment and there's so much of that in this movie and going back to what you're talking about with Wells's performance so I agree that he seems disengaged with other people but that works for me uh in this movie because I think that the character is too I think he's disengaged with everyone except his old flame he does it. even his his supposed best friend who he's been working with forever. He constantly shutting him down and not listening to him, and that is his downfall. Is him thinking that everyone is dumber than he is, and that he doesn't have to listen to him. Even the whole thing, like oh, I don't need to look at love letters, save me the juicy stuff, and it just <laughs> shoves him off into the other room. And that's who that character is. And I also like the fact that this movie has the kind of courage to not make him wrong. Uh, in this movie, the ending of this movie is classic. Where it's like you have the, he is a dirty cop. There's no there's no arguing around that. There's even the last line, you know, that he's a great detective but a terrible cop. Like that is, and there's a lot of discussion between him and Heston about the law and justice and how being a lawman is a really difficult job to do well, but not that difficult a job to do poorly. Like just because you rack up the arrest records doesn't mean you're doing your job. Um, so I like the fact at the end that like his hunch was right. You know, they arrested the right guy, but they did it in the wrong way. And that's what this movie is really about in a lot of ways, is not only doing your job, but doing your job the right way. The results are not what really matters here in the end. What matters is your honor and the way you go about your life. And I thought that was like, it was really impactful and really worked for me. I don't know what to say to you, Dave, as far as uh, taking life lessons from Touch of Evil here, because... <laughs> Being I, more like a Mexican police officer and not like an American jackass who eats candy. You know, I watched uh, Sicario recently, and that film told me, <laughs> no, do not be more like a Mexican police officer, even though... Look at uh, you, picking and choosing. This is <laughs> racist. <laughs> he seemed, look, he seemed like a good dad in Sicario, but... Um, yeah. His line of work uh, crosses a few uh, ethical lines. Not like that Josh Brolin Couple. character, who's just a straight shooter and a yeah. gag in that yeah, movie. Yeah, absolutely, <laughs> yes. 
Absolutely. <laughs> I do love the story that, you know, you mentioned it's on the kind of title cards of this version that like, what a what an asshole Orson Welles was like, I, I love the guy's work. And of course, his movie feels like got chopped up. Wait, are you about to say that you wouldn't make it all the way through the 58-page memo? <laughs> no way! There's no way I'm reading 58 pages of this, like, poetry about how great he is as a filmmaker. I was like, 58 pages? She's like, I can't even write an email. You're going to write 58 pages? Like, oh, that's a when hell of a memo, buddy. Apple Podcasts posts a review of ourselves like that, 58 pages in length of how great off-screen death is. I wonder what the cap uh, is. Hmm, I don't know. Or they, I would just, that. they would just remove the podcast entirely. Like, fuck this person. We're, we're not <laughs> dealing with this this megalomaniac. We're not we're not dealing with this at all. I was accused by uh, my co-host on Sober Cinema, Jared, when I uh, every time I started recording with him, and sometimes with you, Dave, as you well know, uh, they'll be like, "Let's get this shit over with," and it's like, you know. <laughs> This is like a self-imposed hobby. Right. Like no, one is no one's making use. you do this. <laughs> and I, I uh, relate to him. And if you don't uh, listen to all my shows, which you very well should. Uh, but for those uh, monsters who don't, I'll repeat some material here that I've come to the conclusion that I make these podcasts not for the uh, conversation that I have with my co-host. Uh, oftentimes not even for the films I'm watching. Not we, We're actually on a pretty good streak here with yeah. – uh, a touch of evil, and you know, I didn't think this was going to be a bad time by any means. Uh, but I have decided it must be for my work week that I just want to hear myself uh, throughout the week uh, <laughs> talking about movies, not the watching, not the recording. I make this for myself as the listener, <laughs> who I also hate because he is demanding of const- <laughs> constant content wow, every day. Wow, Mike. Ooh, How's wow. that for narcissism? Ooh, there's, there's, there's so some I'm circular saying, well, logic there that is upsetting. Me That's, and Orson Welles, simpatico. Basically the same. Basically yeah. the same. Yeah. I like booze uh, and candy bars. I, you yeah, know, yeah, I'm, I'm thankful for my mom and dad's genes, I guess, that I can consume as much and I'm not yet uh, sweating on the uh, <laughs> Mexico border like he is yeah. here. So much well, sweat. My God. I actually yeah. was eating when I was watching this movie and I had to stop. Were, yeah, I, I was like, stop. were you though? That's... <laughs> There's so many close-ups of him that I'm – it was uh, a little it's, bit scary. Yeah, yeah. I was uh, – God, how do I say this nicely? Like the maybe lack of awareness of his own – physicality uh and doing so many close-ups like this is not like i am so like i'm one of those people that's so aware of what i look like that like i i generally don't take pictures of myself because i pick them apart and like treat myself like garbage but orson welles seems the opposite as it's you like, should I'm, dave that, that I'm shows, beautiful <laughs> yeah that shows some restraint i think uh, most people right. um it's the same with uh you know, when we both started doing this, I'm sure you didn't like the sound of your own voice. No, who right. does? Like who? No so I, I, I think that <laughs> there's some sort of natural instinct ingrained in us to not like how we look or how we sound. So it stops <laughs> you from becoming a complete egomaniac. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. But I knew there was one moment in this movie where I was like, this is where Mike turns from Orson <laughs> Welles uh, when they go to essentially the strip club. Uh-huh. Uh, and he's like, this is a waste of time. And mm. his mm. buddy over there is like, I don't know about that. Uh, and he's like, <laughs> I was like, that's Mike. That's Mike in this movie. It's like, can we just hang out here for a while? Um, and I was surprised given this is in 1958. Um, I think this came out like how blatantly sexual this movie is like this movie has a lot of sex energy behind it like i was mm-hmm. just like wow orson's really feeling himself uh in, the, in this movie like he really is wanting to show some skin which i appreciated roger ebert uh on that note of course i had this one keyed up a few minutes ago and <laughs> I, now it's perfect timing for you talking about a strip club sequence 
uh, his non-splat review, uh, Full Tomato, is uh, the film has always been a favorite of those who enjoy visual and dramatic flamboyance. Yeah, baby. Dead on. Yeah, this this <laughs> yeah. is a, a showy movie in the vein of something like Sin City now is like knowingly showy. It's like mm-hmm. their marketing pushes. This looks different from what you're used to. Uh, we're stylish. This is far more naturally stylish. I mean, not, mm-hmm. not even getting into the weeds of the technical aspects where it's like all the actors themselves are not in the same presence as one another. They're acting in total green screen, uh, like episode one <laughs> style. <laughs> but here, like, I don't, I don't fault for Wells for, for going for that because in a way it is dressing up. And I think probably the entire like film noir genre is dressing up simple crime stories, simple little morality plays, uh, and making them visually appealing in a way that, the content is is not like there's mm-hmm. you play this straight and it's just a lot of happenstance uh mm-hmm. and bad things happening to bad people um you don't i guess you're meant to care about charlton heston but i then start to like hold it against him and his wife that's like um no like cancel your fucking honeymoon like it ain't happening like is a it, bomb just went off it's... in the first sequence <laughs> right? you're done son don't you think it's hard to to feel for a character like that who's like such a hero um is there not enough humanity to that character for us to like in this really world, engage in with particular them? where uh I, I don't think it's just well's ego that he's the most interesting character on screen he's uh you bring up a good point about him actually being right about who planted the bomb uh not just because he's planting evidence on them he his intuition was right uh he's just kind of lazy and it's <laughs> Speaks to maybe how knowledgeable the character is of the world that he's in. That mm-hmm. it's like we know who did it. Um, let's not go through the dog and pony show of like trying to find the evidence. Let's just wrap this up, remove one more criminal off the street. But he doesn't even have it in a. He doesn't have a big speech like he's saving the world because of it. He's like, well, I only did this because it makes the world a better place. He's basically saying the world is shit. I know it's shit, and it will always be that way. And I'm just the janitor, just sort of cleaning up after it. He he has a bit where he's talking about how he could have made a lot more money if he hadn't mm-hmm. gone into this line of work. And I don't think in that scene he comes to the conclusion that it's been a valid choice. No. It's almost like, well, I just fell into this, <coughs> and this kind of sucks. And now I've got this asshole coming and lecturing me about how there's a much better way to do it. But he's not he's not going to make any changes. In fact, he'll be less effective in some way. Uh, it's more of like, how dare he see goodness in this line of work? Like right. he, he sees him as an ignorant character. And I mean, do we see the Heston characters kind of ignorant and like naive, even though he ends up being right? He's right, but he's consistently fooled throughout the entire movie. Like, you know, doesn't even notice that he's talking to a blind person. Uh, when he goes to use the phone, like this is not the sharpest tool in the shed. He's the most honorable guy. He's he's a guy I think you have you have a desire to root for, but he makes it very difficult to root for him um, as he continues to put himself and his wife in danger over and over and over again. But you mentioned this uh, this idea of uh, Wells being right uh, throughout most of the movie and being the kind of the, dir- the dirty cop who actually knows what's going on. And it's interesting because I think of that trope as a relatively modern thing. Right. You think of TV shows like The Shield 
But this is – I think the difference now is we try to make those characters cool where Wells has no interest in making – this police officer a cool guy like he's like you know clearly at the tail end of his life clearly struggling to get around he's got his cane he's got you know he's got the weight problems he's he's got all that going on for him and there's no semblance of like yeah what a badass like that's that's who this guy is but this trope has made it all the way through to the 2020s like this is a thing we continue to go back to that well for is the the dirty cop who's actually right so it kind of puts you in this place as a viewer like should i be cheering for this guy he is breaking every every police ordinance you can imagine but he is getting these bad guys off the street and it's interesting how long that has lasted you've convinced me to knock a half a star off this on letterboxd (laughs) because uh king kong did exist so he very well could have given the denzel speech from training day Mm. orson welles would have chewed through that would have oh, been great. That'd have been a great. Where was that book. in your fifty-eight fucking pages, Mister Wells? <laughs> Jesus, that Crazy. would have been a truly, truly great moment. Sad, sad that we didn't get that. We had to wait for uh, who directed uh, Training Day? Uh, Is that Fuqua? Is that Antoine Fuqua? Fuqua? Antoine yeah. Fuqua. Yep, yep. We had to wait for him to get the real mastery of film uh, around a character. <laughs> all like right, all right. This. Settle down. Um, <laughs> how do you think this one plays to non-cinephiles? This seems. Um, as you said, maybe at the time, pulpy enough to be a, a guilty pleasure, not out the movies. Uh, but I don't know. It, because of the affiliation with Wells, whether or not it was his version or, or not, um, it, I think, for decades and decades have been seen as uh, this is a classic. Uh, mm-hmm. And then I guess the literal sort of reappraisal where it's like we're putting in footage back in that he would have wanted. Uh, is this something that... Because it wasn't in my growing up. I, I knew the reference, but you, you started this conversation with Get Shorty. I didn't, my parents didn't talk about this movie. Uh, it wasn't one that was in uh, a rotation of like, even something like Citizen Kane, which at least has the like, well, until recently, the greatest <laughs> movie of all time. Oh, Jesus. I'm talking about Vertigo, girl. Dave, not the, not the oh, bear, okay, Vertigo. Okay, good, there we go. Good. You can, so right. you can calm down. I'm okay with that. <laughs> um, <laughs> this one, um, seems more of like a name than it does individual scenes being sort of famous. I, mm. I like the tracking shot, I think at the beginning. Yeah. Um, but I don't know if this one still has the, uh, um, the sort of touchstones for general audiences, even though it's mm. like maybe the name recognition of there is like, Oh yeah, that's a famous movie. I think it depends on how you're looking at this. If you showed a, like, let's say someone made this exact movie, uh, but now, right? So you have an actual Mexican man playing this role and not Charlton Heston. And you take out the name Orson Welles. You take out it being a cinephile movie, all that stuff. I think this is just an enjoyable flick. Like, I think this is a fun movie. But if you're trying to, like, let me introduce you to Orson Welles, the greatest <laughs> director of all time. And you watch this, people might be like, that guy? I mean, that was fun. But this guy's the greatest director of all time, really? But isn't that interesting? Like, his career is Citizen Kane... Which, you know, through uh, a little bit of watching Mank, um, I would say watch the far better RKO 281, the HBO original from the uh, 90s. Pompous. With, with Sabretooth as Orson Welles. Um, <laughs> uh, other than Citizen Kane, which uh, got out into the world, escaped uh, before being put into a vault. His career is known uh, in cinephile circles for the what could have been, that everything mm. else was taken from him 
And even Touch of Evil, it took until the late 90s for his version to make it out there. Well, yeah, what's the, what's the other big Criterion one? The Magnificent Ambersons, right, uh, which, is like, which is uh, maybe one of the most upsetting movies you'll ever watch because you really can see – what he was trying to do, and you're like, mm-hmm. oh, there is ser- this. This could have been on that Citizen Kane Vertigo level, um, but the studio certainly got a hold of it and changed a lot of things and made endings where they shouldn't have been. And but you're right. Other than Citizen Kane, there are a lot of his. You know, I think there. If you watch his movies, you can see the genius. But like in a, it's siloed. Like just watching the movie on its own. I don't think you would think think that, but because you know who he is and the skill that he has and how modern his films ended up being, you might look at them and give them more of a pass than you would another director. I'm very conflicted on him because uh, in this very podcast, I compared myself to him only in the sense, I guess, of the <laughs> negative traits that we would, we're both uh, egomaniacs in our respective mm-hmm. fields. Uh, I would say that I've had a far more successful career than Orson Welles and that no one cuts me uh, other than Dave. And that's out of laziness where I'm like, <laughs> I don't even care. I'm like, I don't have 58 pages of notes to give Dave. Just get it out in the world. That's fine. I'm waiting for the one day I cut something and you're like, you son of a bitch. <laughs> How dare you? We're going to need a director's cut of this episode I've only recut uh, one uh, – I guess editor of one of my shows, Webb on Trilogy Theory, where he had the even for himself, there were far too many musical interludes, and I went back <laughs> and was. I think he started the, the episode with music, followed that clip up with more music, and I'm like, okay, this is this is a conversational podcast, right? When does when does the talking begin? Actually, when does Mike begin? That's why yes. I'm <laughs> listening to this. But on the other hand, uh, as a fellow egomaniac, <laughs> Wells is known more for being Orson Welles than mm-hmm. this long filmography. Other than Citizen Kane, everything else is a mixed bag of, you know, if he had had the power or if he had had uh, maybe the discipline, I, I guess. Mm-hmm. I, I don't think you can say he's an extremely disciplined is, filmmaker. Um, is F for fake? I, that's one I haven't seen. Is that maybe one it. that's I love seen that in higher yeah. esteem? Yeah. Yeah, uh, yeah I, I think it's – it is uh, – that one is very much ahead of its time and that it's uh, Orson Welles, <laughs> the YouTuber or the uh, commentator. It's, it is a strange movie. It came out, I believe in the late seventies, 73, uh, I think. Okay. Um, yeah, that is one that uh, would probably be a good fit for your, your side of the, uh, the street. Mm-hmm. I doubt I, if I actually, I'll look it up now. I'd be very surprised if it had like a 40% on Rotten Tomatoes. Um, that is one that I've I've revisited, and uh, yeah, eighty eight percent, eighty nine percent from audience score, which uh, is a little unbelievable. Having and seen and it. shockingly, an eighty eight minute film. Uh, so that's that's right in the yeah, wheelhouse. The, right the there. best movie podcast concept that I've ever heard is one that uh, I can't remember the name of it, but I'm deeply jealous of them. So they get no shout out from me. Where the premise <laughs> of their movie podcast is the film has to be ninety minutes or less. Maybe that's the title of the show, but those jerks. Um, I, I think that uh, maybe that's what holds hold uh, it holds Wells back as far as general audience members because Spielberg is a known famous face one of the, you know the rare ones that the general public would know uh, if he just appeared on screen as far as movie right. director Steven Spielberg but he also like has the filmography where like not everything has gone his way but he had enough success early on that once he had control, he has maintained it over his filmography. So whatever he puts out, I don't think there can be any doubt that Spielberg wanted it there. And Wells right. is the opposite. He, he makes the 
for the longest time, the greatest film of all time until Vertigo and then the bear movie. And he does that, but never gets the power from, from right. that one release. He's uh, almost like he's a uh, female filmmaker who makes something great. And they're like, well, we can't trust you. So we're, <laughs> we're not going to let you I do this. I feel like Hollywood learned this lesson from M. Night Shyamalan, where they gave him a lot of power after that first great movie. Uh, and then eventually they were like, uh, this isn't working out for us. And they severely limited him. So now he only works with companies that will give him free reign. Off-screen uh, death, where the magnificent Ambersons is compared to Unbreakable. <laughs> both, both very good movies. I like them both. I probably gave them both the same rating on Letterboxd, so that sounds about right. How I wish for that gag with the village had been his follow-up, just to really put your feet to the fire on that, to see if you still felt the same way. Uh, I don't know. I don't know if that's, like, it's disappointing to film fans, uh, I guess, not just only for the... Uh, the, the missing content that we have if this guy had just been able to do whatever he wanted for decades. Mm-hmm. On the other hand, you don't have Orson Welles, the personality, if he doesn't have those struggles right. as as well. And and also, like, the, you know, I don't think there's even Orson Welles fans would admit the man is an ego was an egomaniac, right? And I think if you if you give an egomaniac that much control, you might get great movies. Uh, or you just might get like overindulgent bullshit uh, for thirty years. So like you F know, for fake is that, and it's fantastic. <laughs> there is a sequence, multiple sequences where he is just sitting in a restaurant wearing his cape and his hat, and <laughs> he's he just playing himself at this point. That's... He is surrounded by people who never speak. They are just there to listen to him, just so he has an audience <laughs> for his monologues. Yeah, the original I can't say podcast. That it it wasn't, uh, you know. That was uh, certainly an inspiration to uh, my <laughs> hobby. I'll say that. I love it. Excellent. Yeah, I mean, I think um, Touch of Evil uh, is a movie. I'm, it's it's one of those movies, and this happens a lot, I think, on when I pick movies from, quote-unquote, my side of this that I haven't seen before, that I, like, get mad that I didn't watch it before. Because um, it's just like, man, how did I how did I not seek this out? Like, this is – it's not like it's a movie I'd never heard of. Right. Because there are going to be some movies on these lists that I'm like, yeah, I guess I've heard of that, but I know nothing about it. Right. So I don't have like a an immediate engagement with it. So I'm like, oh, I got to see that movie. But this is one of those. It feels like a movie I would have seen. You know, it's a noir. It's been mentioned in other pop culture things. You're, that you're I've part seen. of the problem that I mentioned. The general public. Yep. Yeah, that's a classic. But I mean, I've got Get Shorty and I'll be honest with myself. I've seen Get Shorty. Twelve times in my life, if not more. Touch of evil. I've seen it see, twice. See, and that's the thing is, there was like I was thinking as I you know set to watch this movie, I was thinking back on like Get Shorty was like one of those movies that for whatever whatever reason like really struck a chord with me, and like I watched that a lot. Like I rewatched that a bunch. It's it's easily in the double digits, and yet never. You know, this movie that this character, who I really love, just adored. And I never went like, oh, maybe I should check that out. It, like, never even occurred to me. Because, like, when you hear it described in Get Shorty, it sounds like a fake movie. It doesn't sound real. Like, you're like, Charlton Heston plays a Mexican, but it's great. It's fine. It's great. You'll love it. And then they show the very so you're ending. Saying and that's you could it. operate under the belief that Barry Sonnenfeld. Uh, yeah. A man who had up. far more success than Orson Welles uh, in I this mean, field. Uh, could do, uh, like, a... What is it like an Animaniacs or Pinky in the Brain version of an Orson Welles movie as a yeah. gag? And you, why not? <laughs> you know, I'm thinking back to that scene with Chili Palmer. I hope you include the clip, at least you know to play. Oh, us I, out. I have to at this point. Yeah. Hey, you know that movie Touch of Evil is playing near my hotel. 
You go check it out if you want. Go watch uh, Charlton Heston be a Mexican. <laughs> That's all right. Another time. How could you arrest me here? This is my country. This is where you're going to die. You're not wrong. As I think back to John Travolta right? interacting with the screen, it does have that sensibility of him watching a movie created for the Get Shorty universe. How insulting right. are we being to Touch of Evil right now? <laughs> Jesus. But it's great. But I loved it. I love Touch of Evil. It's like a four and a half, five star movie. It's fantastic. I will Same watch here. it again. It's, it's good stuff. Uh, do we know uh, what's next on this show, Mike? You're in control well, of the schedule. See, and I think people should know the reason I let Mike be in control of the schedule is that Mike is like a cat. Mm-hmm. Um, it has mm-hmm. to be his idea. Mm-hmm. Um, so I don't I don't push too hard. Just every once in a while, I'll be like, hey, Mike, when are we recording next? Oh, here's these nine movies I've watched. you got to watch these. I'm like, Jesus Christ, man. I have a job. I can't just. So I'm like, you are in control of the schedule so things actually get recorded yes. uh, instead of me bothering you uh, hmm. every every other day. So I just let you run the show. Uh, so what are, we, what are we doing next, Mike? Well, it would be another new release. And as we were recording early, you know what? I'm not even going to use that excuse. I've got the schedule pulled up. So uh, our next uh, opening weekend wasted. Uh, we're we're trying to appeal to you people, uh, much like us who would <laughs> you never. You people, Jesus. well, <laughs> this whole conversation we're like touch of evil, classic. Uh, took me, you know, decades plus to uh, to get around to it. We're trying to appeal to the common folk. That's what <laughs> I'm just. I'm one of them too. You know, I'm, the I'm county looking folk. For, that's, that's I'm you. looking for yep. new content. Uh, hey, now it's uh, it's magnanimous to say bring back the theatrical market. Now we're doing some good for our dumb <laughs> for the art. Fair. Yes. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> However, on this weekend, uh, I'm looking at the schedule. There is not one wide release coming mm. out, which 
doesn't matter in, as much in these times because you're getting all the randos. Anything that the poor theaters can get a hold of, they're they're playing. Uh, so I do not have an answer for you there. I feel like at the end of these uh, classic film episodes, it's going to kind of be that way uh, until things right. get back to normal. Right. Uh, the biggest one would be Zack Snyder's Army of the Dead. I'm kind of I'm saying this now like a month out. I don't think I'm in the mood. <laughs> so I don't think I want a podcast with anything like, Zack Snyder. I watched related. I watched four hours of Zack Snyder. I'm good. <laughs> yeah. Um so we'll just see. I will say this though, if you want to plan ahead. The next <laughs> uh classic, if you can call it that. This is a twenty twenty film uh about the curious Courtship of uh, modern Irish folk uh, starring Emily Blunt and uh, the sketchy dude, sketchy rich guy from Fifty Shades of Grey. I forget the Jamie, actor's name. Jamie Dornan is his name. Mm-hmm. I like him as sketchy rich guy uh, yeah. from Fifty Shades. Uh, Wild Mountain Time, which came out, I believe, around Christmas of last year, mm-hmm. 2020. I don't know what that means, but... Uh, as Dave has just alluded to, the reason it's on this schedule is it popped up on Hulu for me as far as what's new. I saw Emily Blunt, and before I even clicked play, I sent a message to Dave saying, this is my next selection. <laughs> Which is a long way of saying mistakes can be made when you make impulsive <laughs> <laughs> decisions. So, come back a week later for the classic. I do emphasize classic on this show only, Wild Mountain Time, which as of this date, is setting at a very high, very high 29%. I cannot Ooh, stress enough. It's a gift. High it's 29% a gift. <laughs> on Tomatoes. So, much like Dave saying, hey, time to get around to Touch of Evil, it was time for Mike to get around to Wild Mountain Time. So, first time watching. It was fun. <laughs> yeah, see you next time, I guess. Uh, don't watch that movie uh, and listen to us talk about it. It'll be great.